Welcome to a special series of Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. To recognize both the 50th anniversary of Earth Day and April being National Poetry Month, this series features poems by five Maine-based poets. Each day's reading and conversation show how nature informs and inspires both art and action. In this episode, you'll hear Camden-based poet Kristen Lindquist as she reads her poem, Rapture. Hi, I'm Kristen Lindquist. I live in Camden, Maine. Rapture. For some, it happens like this. Wind shifts in the night, a cold front, a wet storm off the gulf, and birds fall like raindrops from dawn's fingers. Vireos crawling in apple blossoms, and warblers, 20 warblers in one tree, first light slanting in through the cathedral of trunks, Petals scattering, pant legs damp with dew, sun on the back of your neck. You're singing their names, prairie, palm, magnolia, black pole, and oh, there's a red start flitting and fanning his tail. You don't dare move, breathe. You are only eyes and ears, only birds before you, moving through the freshly unfurled leaves, only that fragment of music, a lisping note. Strong morning light, flash of yellow, wing, fluttering feathers. Cardinal, a prayer to red. White throats, long dawn song from the underbrush. No wind or flies, no body with its needs. Somewhere behind you is the sea, but there is no behind you. Only small bright birds emerging, disappearing, and a joy rising with the sun. Thank you so much for such a beautiful reading. I know that poem is from your 2011 collection, Transportation, and I'm wondering if, as you read that poem, if there's a particular place that comes to mind for you. Yeah, well, it's also in my more recent collection, Tourists in the Known World, which I put out in 2017. Um, And I think that is a personal favorite of mine, which is why I carried it to the next book, the incident described has taken place actually more than once uh, on Monhegan Island off the coast of Maine, about 12 miles offshore, which is a migrant hotspot for birding, especially in the spring. And just an incredible place to be, especially when there is, as I describe in the poem, a, a, what's called a fallout of birds when the weather conspires to hold them up for long enough that then when they finally get good weather and a good front, they just all go at once. And when you're a bird and you're migrating at night, when it's dawn, you want to land and and eat and refuel. And if you happen to be out over the ocean at the time, Monhegan could be the only land around. So for a lot of these birds caught in that sort of situation at dawn, they all converge on Monhegan, which is a very small island. And uh, you can get these incredible masses of birds there all at once it's really it's spectacular but it's also you feel kind of sad too because these poor birds are starving by the time they get there it's an amazing situation i think the three last 
lines of this poem to me just evoke a feeling of spring you know a joy that rises with the sun and it's when sort of (laughs) I feel like Maine sort of comes out of the winter hibernation but I'm curious to know you mentioned that this is one of your favorites so what are some feelings that reading this poem evokes for you? (laughs) See I think it's a favorite but it's also one that I've been the most frustrated with because I've rewritten this so many times over the years trying to capture that moment when you really it's it really is sort of an out-of-body experience where you're just so focused on what's happening around you that you know you you yourself don't even really exist and and you just yeah you feel this incredible joy while this is happening it's it's not um I think birding can be a meditative activity but something like this is beyond that it's sort of a transporting activity and which is why I called it rapture because it's sort of you know you're being lifted out of your body basically and the birds are just this really transportive experience around you. How long have you been birding? I've been birding probably seriously as an adult for probably over 30 years about 30 years but yeah I got sparked as a kid seeing the birds at my grandparents house and um one of my first spark birds was seeing a, a cedar wax wing on a fence post and getting the Peterson's guide and learning how to identify it and what it was. And But I would say as a hardcore bird nerd for, I don't know, 25, 30 years, I've been birding springs, spring migration on Monhegan Island for over 20 years. And it's breaking my heart that I won't be out there this spring. I feel grateful that that's that's my biggest (laughs) concern right now. But yeah, I'm going to really miss that. But I have a backyard and that will have to do. (laughs) I was interested in asking you about some of the haikus that I saw on your blog. You had asked folks which version they liked. One is social distancing, even the Phoebe won't come closer. Or these days, even the Phoebe won't come closer. Have you found that your relationship to birding or the natural world has changed or been influenced by this particular moment that we're in right now? Hmm. I mean, it's definitely something I've been writing about because that's my current experience. And, and I've been seeing that from a lot of people that it's affecting, it's influencing their writing and their art. I think it's hard not to be affected by it. It's just, it's so life altering and life changing for a lot of people. Yeah, just trying to go with whatever is moving me at the time. And that's our current pandemic situation has been sort of all encompassing. You know, I am fortunate that we have a little backyard on the Cook River here in Camden. And we do get, during migration, we do get birds coming through. And we've been able to hike in Camden Hill State Park and um, nearby preserves once in a while. And Pretty soon there will be a lot more songbirds coming through there that we can appreciate. So, yeah, trying to just keep focused on what I can do and not so much what I can't do. (laughs) Taking what's here and trying to make the most of it and be grateful for it. I'm curious, when you think about Maine as a whole, if there are particular places that you found to be inspiring for your work or just simply places that you enjoy returning to. Well, I, I grew up in Camden in the Camden area, and I, I grew up being able to see the ocean on a regular basis. So the coast 
especially the islands, especially Monhegan, which is probably my favorite place on earth. Those places definitely inform my work. I just feel so fortunate to be able to live here. But Maine is a large and beautiful state with many, many habitats. Um, We try to go down east every year. The Lubeck, Eastport, Machias area, Cutler, you know, the Bold Coast trails, the mountains of Maine are rugged and spectacular. And uh, my husband writes novels featuring a Maine game warden. So we're often going inland for research for his books because his characters spend a lot of time in the Maine mountains and the Maine woods. So (laughs) that's awesome. You know, you see great spots in the state for research. Exactly. (laughs) As you know, we are sharing these poems for our Earth Day, Earth Week um, poetry program. And could you please share some of your reflections on the fact that this year is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day? What will you be thinking about? You know, it's a strange time to be celebrating Earth Day because there's so many people who won't even be able to get outside and and appreciate it. So I, I think for the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, I will be trying to get outside as much as I can and appreciating as much of it as I can in gratitude that at least here in Maine, much of our landscape is intact and natural and wild to some extent. And also just feeling grateful for the fact that the people of Maine really appreciate, we we appreciate what we have, you know, people trade wildlife stories, you know, people are, you know, you run into people in the grocery store and they'll talk about how they saw a fox run through their backyard or they saw such and such a bird. I mean, we're, we're very in tune with our natural landscape and our wildlife neighbors. And um, I think we'll just feel grateful that we have the opportunity still to appreciate those things. Um, Thinking also about Rachel Carson, I mean, what she was able to do through the power of her writing and her advocacy, and she was a part-time resident of Maine, so we can embrace her as one of our own, banning DDT. You know, you just think about things. When I was a kid, I never saw a bald eagle. And now we live in McGunnacook River, and they literally fly through our backyard, flying up river to McGunnacook Lake. And that wouldn't have been possible when I was a child. So... It hasn't all been a downhill slide (laughs) as far as our wildlife and um, our environment. We have made progress or, you know, worked against negative impacts in some ways. And so, yeah, we, we can look up and regularly see bald eagles and ospreys now. And during hawk migrations, you know, there are still hawks streaming through the state right now. And that's something I will be grateful for. Grateful for Rachel Carson. <laughs> grateful for, yeah, Earth Day that makes us think about it every month. And I love the fact that Earth Day is always the same in April, which is also National Poetry Month. So, you know, we can harness the forces of poetry to express our appreciation for Mother Earth and our planet and the nature around us. I would like to also express gratitude for the fact that Maine um, is in the forefront of the land conservation movement in the country. I used to work for Coastal Mountains Land Trust here in Camden, um, which covers the west side of Penobscot Bay, and was active in that world. And on a national level, Maine is right up there with 
the number of land trusts we have and the successes our land trusts have had. And between um, our preserve lands that the land trusts have, have provided to the public and our state parks and our one wonderful national park, Acadia National Park, and our wildlife refuges, we really have some just spectacular, beautiful places for people to visit. I think the beauty about natural lands like that that are open to the public is that anyone can go there. You know, the person down the street, the visitor from Florida, you know, it's open to everyone. And there are so many political divisions these days and everything seems so polemic. But here in Maine, from both sides of the aisle, we come together to value our our landscape and protect our landscape. And I know at the Land Trust, um, you know, we would work with everybody and you would get people from all walks of life who just really believed in our natural heritage and saving these places for their children and grandchildren, you know, regardless of political background or beliefs. And that was really heartening to see. We come together over (laughs) nature and land here in Maine. I think lots of folks that are listening to this will just appreciate sort of notes of gratitude. I think it's really important in these times to remember the progress and the good things. Although there's a lot of bad things happening too, I have to say. And it's horrifying to see how different environmental policies are getting knocked out. You know, while we're focused on the coronavirus, you know, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act has been basically gutted of any of its, any power it had. Yeah, don't get me started on on uh, policies that are affecting our birds, but uh, there's a lot we still need to stay aware of as well. It's not all like, hey, the you know the eagles are back, and you know we're we're in a beautiful place. It's we need to be vigilant about things that are happening without us really realizing, right? Especially right now, when we're all so distracted with other things, environmental policies are being undercut left and right they are affecting Maine and they're affecting the whole United States and the ecosystems that we've sort of taken for granted. Thank you so much to Kristen Lindquist, whose published works include her poetry collections, Transportation, and Tourists in the Known World. You can also read her monthly natural history column in the Penobscot Bay Pilot. As always, thanks for listening to Frontline Voices, and please subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Thanks again.